Welcome back to the Smart HVAC Marketing Podcast, the podcast for HVAC contractors who are ready to quit screwing around and begin growing their business. My name is Eric Thomas, and I am the host of the show. And this podcast is powered by Rival Digital, which is a full-service digital marketing agency for HVAC contractors. What's going on, everybody? Before we dive into this episode, I wanted to talk to you about Service World Expo 2021. It's coming up from September the 21st through the 24th in Louisville, Kentucky, and you guys are not going to want to miss this conference. It is going to be the conference of the year. Trust me, there's going to be over 2,000 contractors there. There's going to be dozens and dozens of partners and other vendors there. There's going to be breakout sessions, workshops, and some special keynote speeches, and you're going to walk away with the knowledge and the insight that you need to grow your business in 2022. So if you want to learn more, head over to serviceworldexpo.com and register today. I'll see you there. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Smart HVAC Marketing Podcast. My name is Eric Thomas, and I am the host of this show. Today, we are joined by Chad Peterman from Peterman Brothers. Chad, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Eric. Absolutely. So, Chad, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to our listeners out there and tell them a little bit more about the company. Yeah, so uh, my name is Chad Peterman. I'm the president of Peterman Brothers uh, here in Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, We are full service. We do heating, plumbing, and electrical service. Uh, Primarily, when I say primarily, probably 95% residential service repair and replacement. Uh, Company was started in 1986 as Peterman Heating and Cooling uh, by my father, uh, who is still uh, in the business, but probably semi-retired, I guess you would put it. Uh, myself and then my brother, who is three years younger than me, now currently run the company and have pretty much uh, had the had the reins since 2015. Um, and uh, yeah, just steadily grown the company. We have our primary location in Indy. We also have locations uh, in central Indiana, in Lafayette, Indiana, Muncie, Indiana, Columbus, Indiana, and Bloomington, Indiana. Nice. So y'all pretty spread out across that state. Yeah. Yeah. Our locations are about uh, from door to door. We're on the south side of Indy. So door to door to our two northern locations, we're about an hour and 10 minutes to our two southern. uh, We're about right at about an hour. Nice. So when you all, when you and your brother, I mean, when you all kind of took over in 2015, uh, what were some of, what were some of the changes that you all I guess, brought into the company uh, to try to grow it? Yeah. So in 2015, we had joined the company prior. I joined uh, officially in a full-time capacity in 2011. My brother joined um, in 2013, but 15 was really the year we kind of took over um, the day-to-day operation. So in 15, we had about 40 people on the team. Um, We did primarily new construction, Um, so we were doing, um, probably 70% new construction, uh, in the multifamily space. Um, and in 15, we, uh, we joined an organization called Nextstar, um, and really made a commitment to growing our residential, um, service replacement, uh, and repair, 
business. And from that point forward, um, we have used their guidance along with a number of peers in the industry who have uh, so graciously helped us get to where we are. Uh, to where we stand today, we have uh, a little over 300 members on the team um, and our 95% residential repair um, and replace. Yeah. So it's actually funny. I remember I recently recorded with Julian Scadden from Nextstar, and I actually, you were a referral to be on the show from him. So Julian, if you're listening, thank you. Uh, <laughs> this is how we got Chad on the show. So uh, I know Julian's out there listening. He said he listens to all of them, so I'm sure he'll hear that. Uh, so, so how much new construction do you all still do, do you, if any at all? Uh, so we'll do, that's actually my dad's semi-retired. Those are his kind of projects. We don't really do any new construction. It's more in the rehab space. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's all still multifamily. So we'll do a couple projects a year. Like I said, it accounts for probably 5% to maybe even a little bit less than that of our total total business. Yeah. So do you all do any commercial at all? Is this residential? Nope. No commercial. Um, we've actually, over the last really year, kind of fired uh, our, our our commercial clients that are still, you know, you could still consider them residential. Yeah. I feel like most residential people say, well, we do commercial up to 10 tons or something like that. We've actually just made a commitment to not doing any of it. Um, so really the only commercial we do is those big projects. Nice. So you guys are at over 300 employees. And I've actually read, I'm not sure if I read this somewhere or if I was listening to another podcast where you were talking about your in-house, the training program. Uh, so I, I'd like to talk about that a little bit on this episode because it seems like um, a, a recurring challenge we continue to hear from listeners of the show or even podcast guests of the show is finding talent and training them and then keeping them uh, on the team. So uh, really, so when you grew from 40 people to over 300 people, like what, what helped or what helped aided in that growth? Yeah. Um, so you mentioned kind of our in-house training. So uh, as we continue to grow, obviously, as you probably hear from a lot of your guests and it's, it's pretty common out in the industry is, you know, finding people uh, is a challenge. And uh, what I was always searching for was there's got to be a solution to this. Like we're not the only industry that has trouble, Mm -hmm. you know, finding great people. And uh, so what I came to the conclusion was, is that there isn't a lack of people out there. There's plenty of people. There's a lack of people currently in the trades um, that I'll agree with. However, what, um, what prevents us from going outside the trade and bringing great people into uh, what we know to be a really awesome space. And so in October, uh, we're really like June of 2020, we, uh, decide, we reached out to a few, uh, a few of my mentors um, and uh, who had in-house schools uh, at their companies. Uh, we learned as much as we humanly possibly could. And then we went, embarked on the endeavor of creating our own in-house school. So in October, October 5th of 2020 was the first day of class uh, in our first class of what we call our Peterman Top Tech Academy. Um, we created this school. Uh, it's a about a three month. We've changed up the schedule a little bit uh, for our newest class. will start end of August, but um, 
they're about a three month program uh, to get them trained in either plumbing or heating. And then um, they're able to go out in the field and be uh, productive technicians for us. Um, it was an undertaking. Uh, one, we, I don't know that we've ever done a project that big, um, just as far as an internal project. Um, but uh, what we found was that we were able to find a lot of great people. And that is not to say that there aren't great people already in the trades. It's just we need more of them. And so uh, we really stepped outside of our comfort zone. We had people, we had EMTs and sheriffs and um, uh, factory workers and you name it uh, of a background, we had them join our first class. And currently a lot of them are out there as terrific technicians, which is awesome. Uh, We had our second class start in February. We took a break um, for the summer um, because that's our busiest time. And then we'll start up our third class in at the end of August. Wow. So what were some of the things that you learned from the first class that helped you shape the program going into the second semester or class and, and even and beyond? Yeah, um, a lot. Um, so uh, you got to think too. Uh, starting in October, we were like starting right in the middle of kind of that second wave of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, so you had like the initial one, then you went through the summer, and then that second wave hit. Where I know, at least for us as a company, we were kind of hit by it um, in that second one. That was the you know, hey, I hung out with Aunt Nancy. Aunt Nancy tested positive. I you know, I'm not sure if I have it or not kind of deal. Um, so that, that made it really challenging. So some of the schooling was on zoom. Um, I'd say one of the things that we picked up that, uh, I continually tell people about, and they're like, Oh, that's a really good idea. And I was like, well, it was kind of born out of COVID. Um, mm-hmm. we were looking for things for the, for them to do. Cause we really couldn't put them on as many ride alongs as we would have liked. Cause we were trying to keep two guys out of one truck and so on and so forth. And so, um, we had them, all of the new trucks that we had coming in, plus their trucks, we had them stock all of them um, as a way to get familiar with the parts and supplies uh, that they would be dealing with on a daily basis. And one, the students really loved it because they were like, oh, my God, this is looking back. They're like, that made my life so much easier because that was one less thing I had to figure out when I was already a little bit nervous of going in front of the customer for the first time. So that is something we picked up. That is something we continue to do in all of the classes. Um, I would say another thing was, um, you know, is too much information can be a bad thing. Uh, you know, our first class, we tried to teach them literally like everything under the sun uh, about heating and cooling and about plumbing. And what we found was these, these uh, individuals had joined the program because they wanted to be out in the field. Um, they, wanted to, they wanted to touch things. They wanted to talk to customers. They wanted to do all this. And our um, reliance on trying to teach them everything kept them in a classroom and kept them in a lab where they couldn't Mm -hmm. do the thing that they signed up to do. And so what we've done is we have recently modified the schedule to where they'll actually spend just eight weeks in the class. And then they'll go out on their own, still reporting back to our in-house trainer um, and still coming into the classroom maybe once, twice a week to kind of recap calls and find out where they're struggling and, and go over that. And then they may, um, and they'll come back, uh, not may, they, depending on their skill level, they'll come back in for another four weeks of more so troubleshooting and, and different types of, uh, you know, more advanced training. So those are two big things that I can think of off the top of my head. We've done a lot of things wrong. You know, setting expectation is one that we screwed up. 
early on because you want to present this like rosy picture. But at the same time, like if you're just getting into something, it's not all roses at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like there's some, you know, there's some crappy days. There's some this, that and the other. So we've really tried to be real and upfront with um, with candidates uh, from both a job expectations and job expectations um, uh, piece. And then also the financial piece too, because while we're paying these students, while they're in training, a lot of them are taking a pay, uh, decrease to join the school with the hopes of obviously joining a career Mm -hmm. that can, that can pay them far more. Um, but there is that, you know, three to four month span where your income is going to be affected for sure. Yeah. So after they do the eight weeks and they get out into the field, do they really begin in more of like a maintenance technician capacity where they're just doing like tune-ups or is it, they go straight to service and repair? Yeah. So um, what I can tell you is yes, they do go into maintenance. Um, However, I will tell you that they advance into service far faster than your typical guy. You get off the street, you throw them with Johnny in a truck, Hey, learn maintenance. He does maintenance for a couple months and then he's nowhere near ready service. These students, we've been able to run them through the program, put them into maintenance for about a season, season and a half. And then they're ready to start getting some, you know, not the hardest call you got, but, you know, some very introductory uh, service calls uh, to where they're really excelling. Um On the plumbing side, same thing Um, with Indiana's licensing requirements. uh, It's a little bit trickier, um, whereas there are no licensing requirements on the HVAC side for technicians, at least. Um, On the plumbing side, they are mainly running drain calls. They're running plumbing maintenance inspections um, to where they're looking over plumbing systems, not doing a whole ton of work unless they have a, a licensed guy there with them. And sometimes they'll sell work and then they'll go back with a licensed guy and they'll put it in. And, and so they're getting that experiences as well. So what are some of those challenges for licensing for plumbing? I know it's different state to state. I don't think I've ever heard what Indiana's is like. Yeah. So it's kind of wonky. Um, the, uh, the biggest thing is, is so when our students graduate, they are not technically licensed plumbers in the state of Indiana. So in order to become a licensed plumber, you have to go through four years of schooling along with uh, on-job training hours uh, as well. So what we try to do is we try to set these students up to where one, they've already got a jump start when school starts because we've taught them a lot of stuff. They're not just joining it green. Um, so that that will be a positive. So we actually haven't had any students start yet because it starts on a calendar year. So they'll start here, I believe, next month um, in August. Um, they'll start actual plumbing school in, in pursuit of their license. Um, that's a little bit of a challenge, mainly for the timeline, you know, like telling somebody, hey, you graduated, but hey, you're not technically a licensed plumber for another four years. Um, That can get a little, it's it's a hurdle that you just have to overcome with expectation. And hey, you can still make really good money doing X, Y, and Z related to plumbing, but you just can't do these things because you're not technically licensed is our biggest thing. Yeah. So you said that you guys have gone from 40 employees to 300. Does that 300 include candidates in the school as well? Yeah, so we have uh, we have about like our next class will be about fifteen students, 
So um, we'll have we'll go from around 300 to 315 overnight. Um, you know, those will be in addition to our current staff. Everybody else right now at this point is out in the field, either producing or in a support role. Um, and then we'll bring on those new students here uh, in about a month's time. Nice. So outside of like the technical aspect of the trade, uh, what are some of the things that you guys also teach them like in regards to like customer service and, you know, being a nice person? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, the, the cool part about it is, is we get to recruit a lot of nice people. Uh, and uh, whereas before, or as many people probably listening can attest, there's always been those times where you're sitting across from a guy and he's a little bit sketchy, uh, but he's also got five years of experience. So, and I need a technician and they're not growing on trees. So what do I do? Well, you usually take a flyer on him. He pollutes the culture of your company. And then six to eight months later, you let him go or he leaves for 50 cents more on the hour or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. So in this instance, we can totally throw out the technical piece of things. So we know that they don't have any experience, which makes recruiting a little bit easier. So the, the, the thing that it really gives us is it gives us the ability to recruit kind of a different candidate um, and really open up our lens to, you know, who's available, which is nice. In addition to that, um, once we get the right people in, then teaching them the customer service piece, we teach them the next star service system, um, which plays a huge role. Um, and really what we want to do in the school, the whole mission of it is not to teach you how to be a technician. Uh, I would be foolish to say I can teach someone how to be a technician in three months. There's way too much information, you know, they're, they're complicated piece of equipment. Plumbing is a, is a complicated, um, trade. Um, some of the best plumbers, they will tell you, you can't teach someone how to do that. So mm-hmm. our real job and what I relay to our trainers all the time is I want them to be very, very comfortable either with a plumbing system or in front of an HVAC system. Um, and by comfortable, I want them to know, you know, how a system operates. Uh, I want them to know how to do a proper tune-up or on the plumbing side, a proper plumbing inspection. Um, And then I want them to know the service system inside and out. So uh, being next to our members, we live and die by the service system. That is what we preach, teach. um, And we want our guys to follow because at the end of the day, uh, as Nextar says, you provide good customer service, the, the revenue will follow. Um, and so that is what we preach to all our guys um, in relation to or in addition to the technical ability. It's more so how to build trust with the customer. How do we build trust? How do we um, uh, properly uh, inspect a heating or plumbing system in order to provide our professional opinion to that customer uh, so that they can make the best decision for their home? Yeah. And also with, you know, obviously the revenue will follow it, but also with other things like uh, Google reviews, word of mouth referrals and all that other stuff, which obviously can lead to more revenue. And I noticed on, I think it was your Google My Business page for your indie office, you guys had like 3000 reviews or something crazy like that. So has that he, that large amount of uh, reviews, has that come in really since the school started or has that been something that you guys have just been building over time? 
Yeah. So I would say that um, kind of a a two-pronged answer here. So um, yes, I would say that our students coming out of uh, top tech are, we we teach them the review process and they understand the importance of it. Um, For lack of a better term, they've never had the chance to develop any bad habits of not asking for a review. So that makes it a little bit easier. The other piece that I would say that I I think can be beneficial for, for your audience is that we were really bad at getting reviews for a really long time. And what it came down to was we just weren't tracking it. Um, We weren't looking at it every single day. So as part of our, we do a daily huddle every morning at 9.15 to go over yesterday's numbers and to go over kind of what the day looks like today. And I can tell you that our second to last person that presents is our membership coordinator, uh, Lauren is her name. And uh, she reports on every department at every location and what their membership or not membership Well, she uh, she reports on the memberships, um, which is a huge part. But then as it relates to reviews, uh, the other Lauren. uh, So we have two. um, We actually have like five. But the two uh, responsible for this, um, the other one reports on reviews and she reports reviews out by department um, for each location. So. If your location and or your technicians are not getting any reviews, like that's something we're bringing up to branch managers. That's something we're bringing up to service managers. Hey, you know, Johnny, uh, our software allows us to see how many requests they've actually sent. Um, And um, if they're not getting any reviews, well, then we're pulling them in. We're calling them on the phone going, hey, what's going on? Why aren't you asking for this? This is part of our process. And so um, I think anybody can increase their reviews dramatically if it's something you monitor, watch, set goals for, um, and really have people that are engaged with the importance of it. Yeah. I mean, and yeah, and that's, and that's just the thing, like half the challenge is just asking. I know, you know, there's companies out there doing between one and 10 million a year. And, you know, in that one to 10 million, they're probably, seeing over a thousand homeowners a year, even maybe more. And if they even asked half of them for a review and got that review, they would have way more than, you know, 14 Google reviews. So it's obvious that, you know, a lot of times people are just not asking for the review. Oh, it's a hundred percent. I mean, we give our technicians, we, I think we run through, um, we've run through a couple of different, we've built some softwares on top of it, but primarily podium is what we use to push out the review from technician to customer. And I can tell you that even sending a review request does not, is not effective unless the technician talks about it. And I can tell you this by the fact that we send out hundreds of review requests and we don't get hundreds of reviews a day. Uh, We have a lot of technicians still pushing them out, but not ever saying anything to the customer. So the customer has no idea how important it is to the business to take the three minutes uh, to leave a review. Yeah. And reviews also go a long way for like SEO purposes and stuff as well, because now like on Google, when you go to leave a review, it asks you before you start typing, like what service did they provide you? And you can say like AC repair or AC replacement or whatever it may be. Uh, yeah. Leave your review, and I've seen I've seen Google My Business pages rank higher just because of reviews alone. It's yeah, pretty cool. Absolutely, yeah. and I think that's a that's kind of the um, 
we kind of use that as the the ancillary benefit to the fact of, you know, we try to preach to our technicians that, you know, a positive review, while it's good for the business, that's fantastic. It's also a validation of your service level. So mm-hmm. if you, they are going to take three minutes to write you a review, Johnny did a great job. He's awesome. Call them. If they did that, like they really enjoyed your service as opposed to collecting your money, walking out the door, crossing your fingers and hoping they had a good experience. You know, most people won't Mm -hmm. tell you if they had a bad one. Um, It's 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 even more difficult to get them to tell you that they had a great one. Yeah. And I don't remember who I was recording a podcast with, but I was interviewing someone about reviews one time. and, And he said that he tells his technicians like, you know, my goal here is to build you up to the point where you're either, you know, a leader within this organization or you feel, you know, confident enough to go, you know, maybe start your own business one day and reviews. While you can't take the Google review with you, you can use that as, you know, evidence. Like it's it's clearly written out like Johnny did a great job. Johnny was awesome. Uh, and you can still use those to benefit, you know, your own career as a technician. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you also have a podcast. Um, I had this written down as something to talk to you about. Uh, so the podcast, tell us a little bit more about that as well. Yeah, so we started the podcast, I believe, in 2018, maybe. Um, and uh, it was first designed to every other Friday. I have a class. I actually have one this Friday that I teach on leadership. Um, so it's 6 a.m. Uh, I like to get up early, um, 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. before work starts. And uh, anybody on our staff can come in and listen. Uh, so I speak in our training room um, and we would take that recording and we would put it on the podcast and we put it on the podcast format just because that was, you know, two thirds of our workforce is out in a van all day long by themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, there isn't much easier way to listen to content than if it's in podcast form. So that was the initial intent. Um, as it kind of caught the attention of a lot of people, like you know, outside the industry, say, "Hey, oh yeah, listen to your podcast." Oh yeah, and you kind of then it, my wheels started turning as to, okay, well, we can make this maybe something a little bit even better. You know, we're always looking to improve things. So mm-hmm. recently, as of probably two three months ago. Um, I, and it, this was more probably a personal, like fear of mine was interviewing somebody. So, um, being interviewed, not that hard interviewing. I feel like it's a little bit harder. Um, I'm starting to get, to uh, get my legs underneath me, but, um, so we bring on every other week, we bring on a guest and interview them about leadership. Um, and so on the off weeks, it's me talking, uh, in our training, uh, we just post that. But then um, we brought on some really cool guests. You mentioned Julian earlier. Uh, I had him on uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, a lot of cool people within the industry um, that I think bring a lot of value and, and they have a lot of experience, um, you know, growing really, really successful companies and, and getting their take on leadership, its role and, you know, how it's, how it's transformed their companies. Uh, I can tell you that, um, it has taught me so much. I mean, I have pages and pages of notes um, from people that I've interviewed 
um, where I didn't say anything special. It was just kind of giving them the platform to just share their story. Um, and you always pick up a, a nugget or two from, uh, from what they're saying that you can implement in your own business. Oh, absolutely. I, I think, uh, you hit the net, the hit the nail on the head there. Uh, when you said that you get, you know, one or two nuggets out of each one that you can just apply because I, I think we're on probably 54, 55 episodes of this now, uh, where we're interviewing contractors and business owners. And just usually we're, we're talking more about marketing. Um, and we've heard from several listeners now who, we didn't even know we're listeners that were just like, you know, Hey, that, that one episode, you know, I heard him say this and, and I went and did that on my Facebook page and, you know, it helped me so much. And, and even in our business where we're helping contractors with marketing um, it helps us too, because, you know, every once in a while I'll learn something that I had no clue about. Uh, and then I can turn around and use that as well. And so I think that's definitely the hidden value in, in these interview style podcasts. While I will agree it is uh, a little challenging at first interviewing people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no doubt. They uh, it definitely get more comfortable as you go. Um, I think the key is, and, and kind of what we teach our technicians is the best thing to do is just kind of shut up mm-hmm. uh, and just let them talk uh, because that's what you're on for. Um, and it's actually a little bit easier than, you know, me talking for an hour straight. Uh, I just get to ask a question here or there and let them, let them go. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's something I learned probably, probably took me 15 or 16 episodes to finally learn that just to ask a question and then just shut up. And that's why a lot of times now I I've gotten really bad at, at first about like speaking over someone on accident. Cause I thought they were done. So now I'll stop and I'll wait until there's almost like an awkward silence. And then I'll, you know, try to go to my next point. Yeah. So um, yeah, this is, this has been an awesome episode, Chad. I really appreciate it. Um, if there was someone out there listening right now who uh, was, you know, running a, a smaller HVAC company, one to ten people or so, um, what's some advice that you would give them to help, you know, attract, hire, and and retain uh, better quality technicians for their business? Yeah, I would say that uh, the one thing that I would tell you, it's a very simple recipe um, that has worked for us, and that's care. Um, genuinely care about the people that are on your team and really work to develop them. Um, you, you show that you care by your, your willingness to develop them. But if you can develop the people on your team and show them day in and day out that you truly care, um, what's going to happen is they're going to grow. And what I have found out is that when people grow, uh, your company grows as a result. So if you are looking to grow um, and looking to expand your company, what I can tell you is first look at the people that you got on your team. Make sure you got the right people and make sure you got them in the right seat. And then spend every waking moment trying to develop them and give them opportunities to be great. And when you do that, what you will find is the rest of it really takes care of itself. There are speed bumps along the way. But what I have found is that every speed bump along the way at every revenue level that we've come up against and, and passed is that ultimately it's about reinvesting in the care, uh, reinvesting in, as, as I told you earlier, the training and, and so on and so forth that, that is going to lift these people on your team from, from one level to the next and, and ultimately lift your company from, from one level to the next. Awesome. Well, Chad, I appreciate that. I appreciate you joining me on the show today. 
Uh, we did have a couple comments here. Uh, none of them are questions. Paul, Paul said, hey. Uh, and Austin dropped a link to the HVAC school, the Top Tech Academy. So if you guys want and you're listening to this later on, uh, on your preferred podcasting platform, we will include links to that as well so that you can check it out and learn more about it. Chad, uh, what's a great way for someone to get in touch with you or learn more about Peterman Brothers? Yeah, uh, so I would say uh, best way to get in touch with me, uh, always connecting on there is LinkedIn. Um, LinkedIn, it's going to be Chad M. Peterman. Um, You can find me there. Feel free to reach out. Um, and uh, more than happy to, uh, to chat and uh, figure that out. Our website is petermanhvac.com, and you can check out Top Tech at petermantoptech.com. Awesome. Well, Chad, I appreciate you joining me on the show today. I uh, hope you have a great rest of your afternoon. Yep, absolutely. Thanks a lot, Eric. Appreciate the opportunity. Yep. All right. Bye-bye.